Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Me anymore, I'm immune to it. I expect it. I'd be disappointed if it didn't happen. Whatever. How's it going? There's so many of you. There's so many. And the chandeliers in here are so pretty. I didn't even think about that when I was visualizing how this would go. Uh, when we were when we were excited to find out we were coming to Salt Lake City, and when we go on tour, I always try to find a topic that is somewhat related to where we're going. And so I started doing some research, and and I found a lot of cool stuff. Um, the problem was like I found the this history of these female physicians who were really cool and influential, but on Sawbones we talk about a lot of like stuff that went wrong or stuff people did that wasn't so great. And, like, they did good stuff. And I was like, well, this doesn't, I mean, it's cool, but it's not, I can't, what are we going to do with that? And then I found out that in Utah, the first artificial heart was implanted. Cool. Very cool. Cool job, everybody. Very cool. Y'all cheering like you were in the room. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, I was touch and go there for a bit. (laughs) But I was still looking for something that would meet that criteria of misguided medicine. And then a lot of people were tweeting at me that we should talk about something you guys, I think, are really into here. (laughs) I hear y'all are really into essential oils. (laughs) So apparently that's true. (laughs) Good. We've touched the nerve. Um, we've talked about aromatherapy a little bit on the show before, but we haven't really followed essential oils into the modern day phenomenon uh, that they are throughout the United States, but it seems like particularly here. Ooh, yeah. So, so we're going to talk about them. Yeah. Uh, please don't be mad. <laughs> uh, so... I thought this was a good, a good quote to start with. Voltaire once said... <laughs> Webster's the, Dictionary defines oil <laughs> as... The best medicines are those with a strong aroma. Sure. Well, 
I don't know. But it seems like people tend to believe that. Because the use of, of oils from plants, well, first of all, the use of plants as medicine obviously dates back to prehistory. So the idea of extracting an oil from that plant, of pressing it and distilling it and getting the, the oil from it, isn't that big of a leap. It makes sense that people tried that. And that's, by the way, I think that's part of, as we talk about like why essential oils are so uh, popular, the word essential refers to the fact that they are the essence of the plant. That's where it comes from. It's the oil derived directly from the plant. Not that they are necessarily essential <laughs> for us as, as humans. Uh, they've, been, they've been used since ancient times, and that's not surprising. I mean, if we look back to the ancient Egyptians used all kinds of essential oils, not just for medicinal purposes, but for cosmetics and just, you know, because they like smelling good. They were used for embalming and cleansing, things like frankincense and sandalwood and uh, myrrh, cinnamon. Uh, you find biblical references to these things. It's not surprising to think that our ancestors have been using oils that smelled good for a long time. Um, and they, I mean, they covered up bad smells, so that was nice. <laughs> Of which sickness, I think, would be related to a lot, right? Like, sure, you know. yeah. yeah. I, you smell bad, you might be sick. <laughs> Have some sandalwood. <laughs> they were very much connected to not just uh, physical well-being, but spiritual well-being. For a while, even uh, you couldn't even get a prescription for one except from a priest in ancient Egypt. You had to find a spiritual leader who could tell you the right one so you didn't get, like, the wrong oil for the wrong reason. Extremely dangerous. <laughs> yeah. and, and a lot of that is because if you look at the reasons they said that they were beneficial, they're not, they're not like, direct medical claims. It's more a general sense of well-being. Mm. They talk about how using essential oils will release you from the chains and stressors of your day. You know, just like a tension reliever if you smell this really good stuff. Correct. That's accurate. <laughs> The, the Greeks and the Romans, of course, had to expand upon that. It wasn't just enough for it to be, like, relaxing. Of course, they liked that. The Romans were very oily. They loved... <laughs> <laughs> Do we have any Romans in the house tonight? I mean, they smelled great, I'm sure. <laughs> but they like getting all oiled up for all kinds of reasons. <laughs> I didn't mean that... <laughs> Don't look to me for help, Smurl. It's not happening. Uh, the, the, the Greek. The Greek. So you can tell it's too. not my brother. My brother made this will be the next twenty minutes. Uh, the the Greeks would get uh, oiled up before battle because they thought myrrh was good at fighting off what we would know now as infection. It and would grabbing. come from like wounds. It's and good stuff. at fighting off grabbing and tackles. <laughs> Uh, Hippocrates generally just said like an oil bath, like a bath and getting oiled up is good for general health. You should do it every day. Uh, Galen also recommended that you use oil for snake bites. Um, specifically, the way you use it, you could use rose oil by, let's say you have a snake bite on your arm. Ah. I, as the, as the doctor, the practitioner, would put rose oil in my mouth and then suck the poison out. With that in my mouth. I saw in City Slickers, that part works. 
uh, neither of those things oh. <laughs> work. Don't do either. The, the sucking out of the poison or the rosewood. Uh, <laughs> things really progressed when Avicenna was a physician who figured out how to distill oils down properly around the year 1000. And that was when they really started to take off. One of the most famous stories about the use of oils in medicine is probably the story of thieves' oil. Now, if you've heard, you may have heard this before, and the thing about it is that I, nobody really knows if any of this is true. It's gone from any kind of like actual account of events into a mythological realm. So this may or may not have happened, but this is where we think this oil, this particular oil mixture may have come from. And it dates back to the plague. Uh, in the 14th century, uh, everybody, you know, was dealing with the plague. And because a lot of people <laughs> were dying, and they were dying and maybe didn't expect to die, and so, like, they had their goods on them, like their money and their belongings. <laughs> there were thieves who would go into the houses and steal stuff off of bodies after people died. How bad was this plague? They'd be like, oh, what the? Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, man, I'm dying of the plague. Well, I had a lot to do to do <laughs> Out. Done. They thought they were going to be okay because they were, you know, the plague doctors were showing up in their plague doctor costumes with their big beaks and their potpourri. So and metal. They were strapping live chickens to them, <laughs> which always works. <laughs> so they thought they'd be fine. Uh, but they weren't, and so there was a band of thieves who would come after the plague had ravaged a house and just steal everything. So bad guys. But they weren't dying from the plague. And after they were finally captured in Marseille, uh, the question that everybody had was, how did you go in and be around so many people who had died of the plague and not get the plague? You should be dead. And there's even an account that maybe, like, in exchange for their secret... They were set free, although I don't know that that was necessarily true. They may have just given their secret and then been killed anyway. Either way, they shared that there was a, a specific blend of oils and spices. Ooh, like the colonel. <laughs> there are 11 secret herbs and spices. No, there, were, there was a secret blend that they used. And as to why they used this, there are some accounts that they knew an apothecary who told them to use it. There are some accounts that they also like secretly traded spices and so they just happened to have them all over themselves. Either way, they said, we always have this on us and this is why we don't get the plague. And this story led to thieves' oil, which at the time was a recipe of clove, lemon, cinnamon, eucalyptus, and rosemary. Since then, it's been reinvented multiple different ways and has persisted to present day. I mean, you will find thieves' oil recipes that you can blend at home or that you can buy from the big essential oil dealers. It's one of the most popular for... <laughs> it's the safe thing to do, folks. Don't try to make your own. You'll only mess it up. <laughs> Trust the experts. Sure. <laughs> the expert, Yeah. <laughs> so so that that's probably the most famous use and that perpetuated and gave this idea that 
that certain oils would not only like help with general well-being, but they could actually stave off illness, protect you from sickness. And from then, it just took off that they could be used for all kinds of healing. Uh, things really stepped up in the 1900s with a French chemist, a Rene Maurice Got You can say his last name. Gatte Foss. It says Smith. Gatte Foss. Gatte Foss. Anyway, Rene. Uh, no, man, his ghost probably got so stoked for a second. I got to go and say, it's like Gattle Fossey, maybe. Gattle Fossey? Gattle Fossey? I'm about to give him a hard time. Sorry, ghost. So he's probably not thrilled. Uh, but he burned his hand in the lab. It was You're about to talk about what a good dad I, I was. Hold on, I want to hear this. Oh, no, it's the no. burn my hand in the lab thing. He burned his hand in the lab, and he plunged it into a, some lavender oil, like you have in your lab, laying around. I know every lab I ever worked in, we just had a big vat of lavender oil, just in case. So he put his hand in the lavender oil, and it the burn, heal, the burn healed really well. And... The honest truth is he had the lavender oil because he was trying to disprove essential oils, but this proved it, he thought, and he became a convert, and he began to tell everybody, like, listen, this lavender oil saved my hand. You should all use lavender oil for everything. And so from this grew a lot of what we now think of as the modern uses of essential oils from, like, this story. This was the reinvigoration of oils since the thieves' oil. Um, since then, there was a Dr. Jean Valnet who, who followed his teachings and worked in, kind of in his tradition and came up with dosing for different oils and which ones, for, which ones were good for different things. Um, and this led to some of the general associations that still persist today, things like coriander is a good aphrodisiac or marjoram is a good sedative. Uh, you can use birch for muscle aches or cinnamon to reduce drowsiness. A lot of these things that you hear have origins back in you know the early 1900s from, from these chemists. Now, in terms of using essential oils, which I'm, I'm guessing some of you may be familiar with from the reactions, the, the, you can smell them. That is, that is one way. <laughs> you can inhale them. Uh, you can also apply them to your skin, so like on your temples or somewhere, they'll tell you where to put them. Uh, directions are usually on the bottle, is what I, the websites tell me. <laughs> uh, there are certain ones that um, you are supposed to ingest. Uh, oh. This is interesting, because you'll find this on some of the major distributors will, will advise that they have special ones. Like all of them are very like pure and perfectly distilled. But these are even more perfect. Nice. <laughs> and we want you to take these internally. And the wild thing about that is, even among alternative medicine practitioners, this is a very controversial claim. There are a lot of people who are like, listen, I, lo I love oil. <laughs> but I'm not telling anybody to drink it. But there are ones that they, they supposedly say you can ingest. I'd love to be a fly on the wall for that discussion, <laughs> that argument. And as far as how they work, there are a lot of ideas. I mean, part of it is, like, the way that your body reacts to a smell, which is well known, like, our, how our brain chemistry reacts to a smell, whether it's, you know, it brings up a certain memory or leads to feelings of relaxation. Or so cures part your of it, gout. I mean, it could be anything. <laughs> 
Um, and then there's also this belief that it stimulates certain hormones and enzymes and it can actually change your body chemistry in different ways that we haven't traditionally connected to things that we happen. smell. Things that happen. <laughs> we haven't connected it to things that actually happen, you could say. At this point, not necessarily. <laughs> The things we worry about, before we get into some of the modern distributors, the things we worry about with essential oils, um, the number one thing is just like somebody having an allergic reaction, just a rash, which doesn't seem like the worst thing in the world, right? Now, we do worry about more severe allergic responses or that it could trigger something like asthma. Um, there have been certain like reports, isolated cases of more severe reactions Generally, you're not going to suffer liver damage from an essential oil. Most people aren't drinking whole bottles of it and that kind of thing. But these are concerns, and there was even a study that was published back in 2007 that found that certain oils, like lavender oil, can act as kind of an endocrine system disruptor and can change your hormonal balance. So actually, they must do something. But in this case, it was giving... Uh, some young boys gynecomastia, so they were growing breast tissue as a result of this exposure to lavender oil, and then when they stopped it, it went away, and so there was this concern, like, well, if this is an endocrine disruptor, how many others are endocrine disruptors? I don't know, nobody's doing that study to find that out, and if you look at the websites where they sell these, they tell you that while you should definitely talk to, they usually say you're health advisor, healthcare yeah. advisor, <laughs> before you use these things, that it's still okay for pregnant people, that it's still okay for children. You should just talk to your healthcare advisor first, who is very familiar with essential oils, <laughs> which would rule me out other than this podcast. <laughs> uh, what are they marketed for now? I mean, you know, everything. I mean, I, the popular saying is there's an oil for that. I think that's even on T-shirts. There's an oil for that. Um, anything you complain it's about. It's a popular saying among people I'd like to push into a well. <laughs> Sorry, we're staying fair and balanced still. Hold on. <laughs> We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got at two minutes? I'm eating filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. 
get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. And the, the claims range from things that seem like, well, that kind of makes sense. Like, they could help with help you sleep. They could help with insomnia. They could help with anxiety. And you think, like, well, it smells really nice. That could help you relax. That, that kind of makes sense. To things that seem a little less likely, like they'll cure your infection. They'll help with your thyroid problem. They'll fix your immune system. Uh, they'll fix your high cholesterol. They'll fix your asthma. They'll fix your acne. They'll cure all your burns. They'll cure Alzheimer's. MS, autoimmune disease, ringworm, constipation, blackheads, <laughs> and of course, cancer. Nah, is, match, yes. naturally. Oh, they've always got to throw that in there. Got to get they? it in there. Why? <laughs> always. Uh, the current state of research as to all these claims, uh, the best you could say is that it's uncertain. Um, there are no, and it's hard, and this is true about a lot of alternative therapies, so I always feel like it, you have to be fair and say this. Nobody's doing a big study. So I'm not saying we did a giant, you know, funded, well-controlled study, and it showed that this did not work. They're they're mostly smaller studies. Um, There's not a lot of money put into the research because the companies that are selling them aren't regulated by the FDA. They don't necessarily have to do big studies to sell these things. But certainly they'd want to do the big studies to prove that these work super good, right? (laughs) I would think. You know they're making cash. Well, They've got some money. I would say if you, but if you're already making the cash, why? Why are they go back and do the study? <laughs> you don't know. But but it, they are hard to do studies uh, around because for one thing they're not standardized. So when you buy peppermint oil from one company, it could be very different from peppermint oil you buy from another company. And in fact, they'll tell you that they'll say. Ours is the only real, pure, 
whatever, and they all have their own distillation process, and they'll tell you where in the world they're from. This is the only one that really works. So they'll tell you they're not standardized. So the stuff that you buy, like Walmart has their own, like, starter set now, like your seven essential oils to get you going starter essential, kit. Essential oils. Yeah. <laughs> but they'll tell you, like, those aren't as good as ours. And so how do you do a study on something if you're like, so we think that this from this one bottle does this. Every other bottle we have no idea about. It's also really hard to do a double blind study with an essential oil because the, the aroma is kind of the point. And so if you're going to blind it and say give some people the essential oil and other people not, but they don't know, it's still got to smell like the essential oil. And so it's hard to do a study. Uh, the point is that at this point, we, we don't have any large studies that prove conclusively that they work really well for almost anything. Uh, there've been some, there's been some evidence that is compelling for anxiety, for insomnia. They've done some studies with pain, and they've shown that maybe an acute painful episode, something like a kidney stone, also inhaling an essential oil <laughs> might also help with like pain scores, like the patient reports less pain. Um, so there's been some, some interesting things that could use more investigation. But a lot of these... I wish you were this diplomatic when I left the toilet seat up. <laughs> You've done some interesting things with the toilet seat. <laughs> and I'm going to keep thinking about it. And hopefully there'll be a big study to see if you left it up or not. It's hard to say. I mean, it looks up for sure. <laughs> but I want to do some more research to see if the toilet seat is up and if you do it every single day. Well, in some of the, it would be great. I mean, like, I understand the attraction. It would be great if, in some cases, it was this easy. Although, to be fair, some of these essential oils are very expensive. Um, but the ones that aren't as expensive, if they did all the things that they said they did, that would be fantastic, right? Like, right now, we don't have a one medicine cure-all for cancer. So it would be great if we did, but it's not this stuff. <laughs> um... <laughs> There have been some interesting studies done with peppermint oil uh, affecting certain like gastrointestinal symptoms maybe is a helpful treatment for uh, irritable bowel syndrome. There have been some studies done with peppermint oil and headaches. Uh, they showed some maybe some positive results, but again, a lot of this stuff doesn't, it, it doesn't hold up to rigorous scientific scrutiny. Uh, so I think with that in mind, we should talk about the big companies that are selling essential oils and kind of how that started. So, <laughs> uh, so let's start with Young Living. <laughs> um, the origin of Young Living is very much tied to the late founder of the company, Gary Young, who said that he, he had a traumatic accident. Uh, he, he was a logging accident and he ended up fracturing his skull and, and damaging his spinal cord and the doctors told him he would never walk again and as a result of this he started to get interested in alternative therapies and eventually of course he did walk again that is the end of the story and he yes and that is wonderful and he aimed any I mean no, I'm you know what that. you're right it is good that he walked again and that was good applause agreed yes. 
The rest of you are monsters. <laughs> Myself but included. This led him to really uh, start investigating alternative medicine practices and what, what are doctors, obviously doctors don't know everything, which, I mean, we don't, we don't know everything. Uh, so we wanted to find other ways. No comment. <laughs> so in, in 1983, he started out with um, doing these blood tests that could detect cancer and, I mean, anything. Like, he could, he could do these blood tests that could detect all kinds of illnesses. And he got kind of busted for this because the blood test didn't necessarily work. And this was found out by some undercover detectives who, who like, they gave him a blood sample that was from a cat. <laughs> and the cat was, he diagnosed the cat with um, an aggressive cancer and liver dysfunction. And then when they said, okay, that was actually from a cat, uh, they were told, well, the cat is definitely not healthy. And you can get that cat to a vet right away. It's a seriously ill cat. And probably has leukemia. Um, It did not. The cat was (laughs) fine. Uh, Yeah. So he got, and he got busted at the time for like practicing medicines without a license. Which is not generally something we encourage. Yeah. Um, from there, <laughs> he got into essential oils because he met a, distill- a distillation group and a grower who were um, growing French lavender and, and distilling it and selling these essential oils. And he became really interested in this. And so he started uh, buying up big acres of farmland and growing peppermint and growing lavender and uh, tansy and all these different things. And from there, in 2000, he founded the first the Young Life Research Clinic which would provide all the evidence that he would eventually use for, the, um, for Young Living, the essential oils. Uh, the initial clinic that he opened, he, he started out in Utah, but he got in trouble because there was a patient who got a vitamin C infusion, and it caused renal failure, kidney failure, and almost killed her. So he moved down to... She did not die. He moved down to Ecuador. Nice. <laughs> Happy ending. She moved, so he moved his clinic down to Ecuador, and I was reading some accounts of what, he, what some of the practices there were, and some of it was just diet advice, like healthy living diet stuff, which was fine. But then there was also, like, essential oil IV infusions, <laughs> intravenous, which is not a known treatment for any... And I didn't find that, even among other, like, alternative medicine sites, the idea that you should IV frankincense... <laughs> that's what it was for your cancer that's not accepted by anybody else but, but that was going on um, he was allegedly even like performing surgeries and again he's not a, he was not a doctor uh, so there were a lot of concerning practices uh, and, and people within the business within Young Living were starting to be concerned about some of these things in particular David Sterling who was the chief operating officer he was also concerned about some of there were some things about his spending that he didn't like and some of kind of like the showmanship that was associated with the business and so because of all this the, the two were constantly butting heads and Young eventually fired Sterling uh, Sterling went on to found doTERRA. <laughs> Good. Good. Which, which my understanding from reading their websites <laughs> is bringing essential oils to the people. 
Whereas Young Living was more focused on um, kind of this more like spiritual calling of essential oils that this was like, hey, here's some practical essential oil advice for you moms who just want to, I don't know, keep your kids out of the doctor's office and make your house smell better. And also maybe sell essential oils. Because, as I'm sure you all know, they are both multi-level marketing companies. Um, <laughs> few, few of you gotten party invites, I see. Now, Justin, what do you think of... This is one of my favorite things to talk about. When Sydney <laughs> told me we were talking about this, she told me I could have like a minute to talk about multi-level marketing. 99% of the people who do multi-level marketing lose money doing multi-level marketing. That is not an exaggeration. It is a fact. Here's some quick stats about Young Living and doTERRA. <laughs> doTERRA, 60... Listen, listen to this. Listen, though. 62% of their leaders uh, in, in the year that this, this disclosure happened, 62% of their leaders made an average of 20 $7,000 a year. Now, I, now that's great, except I said leaders. And leaders are the top 1% of the company. 1% make it to leaders. 99% of the people are not. 95% of the people doing doTERRA are not making any cash at all. Now, Young Living, their average in 2016, the average uh, income that a, a family made from uh, selling and being part of this program, the average income for a household selling uh, Young Living products was uh, $25. <laughs> and the median was zero. <laughs> uh, Multi-level marketing is a scam. Don't let your friends do it. They won't make any money. They'll just get ripped off. And it's even worse because there's <laughs> the people that are selling it are making money selling garbage. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Sid, go ahead. So, other than the concerns about um, the companies that are, we'll say, shaped like triangles, um, people say their defense <laughs> is no, they're not a pyramid scheme because pyramid schemes are illegal, which is like saying that. I'm not a murderer because I'm not in jail. It's so stupid. <laughs> biggest MLM in America, biggest MLM in America, Amway. Head of Amway was for, for many, many years the head of the Chamber of Commerce. Number one donor to the Reagan administration was, do, 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 you guessed it, Amway. I wonder why they're not in jail. That's weird. It's so weird that they're not in jail. Weird. All right. All right. This is not an Amway it can't podcast. Be a pyramid scheme. <laughs> let's, Those are illegal. Let's, we got to finish. You've got another show to do. And the, these we'll, people we'll pick this up. <laughs> these people need to pee. Like mid sentence. So, uh, of course, other than other than the concerns about multi level marketing companies, there's a podcast called The Dream where I learned all this. Just go <laughs> listen to The Dream. It's fantastic. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. 
they're, they've run into other uh, troubles with like the FDA. Some of the people, because there's so many different people selling the product, sometimes they make claims that even the companies are like, ooh, that's too far. And so for, they got in trouble for saying that this can fend off Ebola. <laughs> the right oil will stop Ebola. Um, <laughs> that's probably not true. No. The two of them, of course, had to come head to head in a court battle. Which, uh, the only thing I loved about that was one of the judges said about the, the two companies uh, fighting over, like, did you steal my intellectual property and all this stuff? He said, the judge said, it gave me a bit of a headache and even a stomach ache because of all the smells of the oils <laughs> during the trial. <laughs> but the thing is, um, and, and, the, and there are some concerns I had. Like, I was looking at the, uh, from the Young Living website, and they say that if you get skin irritation from one of their products that it's just toxins coming out of your skin. And it's not the product. And it's probably some other soap or product you used coming out. So just don't use that one. And then they have another thing that you can dilute their oil with. (laughs) You can buy them both, dilute it, and then put that on instead. And that obviously gives me some concerns. Um, And then there is also the argument like, this is cheaper, this is a cheaper way, this is better than traditional medicine because it's cheaper. One of the studies that they cite is a study that compared Tylenol or acetaminophen to peppermint oil for headaches. And my problem with this is that the Young Living peppermint oil is $24.20 for 15 milliliters, that's three teaspoons. So assuming you use about a milliliter per headache, it would cost you $1.61 per headache. Uh, using the doTERRA product, it would be $1.95 per headache. That's some good oil. Whereas if you, if you buy generic acetaminophen, it's three cents per headache. So I have problems with the cost too, even the, if the study's the, right. Even if, and the study, even if it's right. But it's like a lot of products that aren't regulated, that aren't evidence-based, we don't know. We don't know if they work. We don't know if they don't. We don't know what all the potential side effects are. We know if they are. work. I mean, we know if they work, right? If they can cite some anecdotal evidence of when a, a French dude put his hand in a pot a hundred years ago, certainly the, the, the thousands and millions of other people who have tried these products with no effect could say, actually, they don't work. Actually, we were wrong about this. They don't do anything. And just because something is natural doesn't make it better. It's called the natural fallacy. And just because something is really old doesn't make it better. It's called the appeal to ancient wisdom, also a fallacy. And, you know, at the end of the day, the big concern is that maybe this won't hurt people, but if they seek it out instead of actual medicine, then it can. So right now, I would say I would, I would not advise buying a lot of these products. <laughs> Sorry. Well, folks, that's going to do it for us this week on Sawbones. Thanks so much to the taxpayers for you. So it's on medicines at the Intro-Operator Program. Thank you to you. My name's Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't do a hole in your head! Fund.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.